The Pellicle Podcast is supported by our Patreon subscribers. If you'd like to support our website, podcast and magazine, please visit patreon.com forward slash pellicalemag. I'm Matthew Curtis, and this is the Pellicle Podcast. Welcome to the Pellicle Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Curtis, and over the next hour, we'll be digging into some of our favourite topics. Beer, wine, cider, along with the food and travel that goes hand in hand with these experiences. Today's episode is a bumper special, a narrative exploration of one of my favourite cities in the UK, Leeds. This bastion of West Yorkshire is very special to me. And that's because it's such a wonderful place to visit and drink some very fine beer. During this episode, we'll hear from several key people from within the Leeds beer scene, including Richard Brownhill of Little Leeds Beer House and Bar Brownhill & Co., Russell Bissett, founder and director of Northern Monk Brewery, Katie Marriott and Mike Hampshire of Nomadic Beer, and finally, Christian Townsley, who over two decades ago founded North Bar with his friend and business partner, John Gingell, who together are arguably two of the most important figures in British beer today. So whatever you're doing, please sit back, relax and enjoy the show. You're listening to The Pellicle Podcast. Leeds, Leeds, Leeds. What is it about Leeds that makes it such a special place in which to enjoy beer? Until recently, it wasn't really a city known for its breweries. That responsibility was held by Manchester, its neighbour, a rival across the Pennines. In fact, that rivalry could be why both cities have such excellent beer cultures. There is a healthy, relatively speaking, sense of one-upmanship that keeps both cities on their toes. But Leeds has always had the edge on Manchester when it comes to its pubs, and especially its modern bars. Places like Whitelocks, North Bar, Friends of Ham and Bundabus have been pushing the envelope for beer in Leeds for years. And now Leeds does also have some excellent breweries like North, Kirkstall, Nomadic, Northern Monk and many more. But it's in these bars that the plans of these well-respected beer makers were first hatched. It's over two decades since North Bar opened in 1997, founders Christian Townsley and John Gingell unwittingly creating the template for the modern British beer bar in the process. They still inspire folks to this day, and that's where we'll start, with Richard Brownhill, owner of a new bar that bears the surname of him and his wife and business partner Bryony, Brownhill & Co. Richard and Bryony have been major exponents of the Leeds beer scene for some time, working in many of its bars and helping to establish the annual Leeds Beer Week. In opening their bottle shop, and now their own bar, they have cemented themselves as vital proponents of the city's beer culture. 
I joined Richard for a chat in his bottle shop, Little Leeds Beer House, as I began to think about what makes Leeds one of the very best cities in which to enjoy beer and what gives it that X factor. So, Rich, you're, um, you're opening a bar yep. in a couple of months, Brownhill & Co. Yep. Um, and Leeds has got a lot of great bars already. Uh, so what do you think your new bar can, can bring to the Leeds scene? I think for us it's, it's kind of about drawing on our experiences and what we, what we love about beer. Uh, we both spent a lot of time in, in Belgium, in Europe drinking over there and it's kind of where for me and Brian where our love of beer comes from really my dad used to take me to there's a little joint in Manchester in Altrincham called Le Trappiste which was just behind Altrincham Market and it was a tiny I've been there it's yeah, brilliant tiny little place and they actually moved to Bruges landlords hiked the rent up and they moved to Bruges so it's actually in Bruges now I think the bar's still there operating as something else okay. in Altrincham but Le Trappiste moved there and, and that was a lovely little Tiny bar, long tables, church pews, and you just kind of, you got looked after from start to finish. And it mm-hmm. was a great drinking experience. Um, and I think that's what, that's what we want to bring to it, really. It's about an experience and a comfortable environment. Um, like we were just saying, like service focused, you know, you go to a good restaurant, you expect good service. You go to a good wine bar, you expect good service. Yeah, yeah. And I think we need to see a little bit more of that in beer. So I, I think it's I agree. not necessarily about us bringing something different to Leeds because it's an amazing city and there's so many amazing venues, but it's just about us kind of bringing a different experience and, and just something that that we want to do really, like, our, like yeah. just our feeling, our place. And you're going to be open in April, but by the time this airs, actually, you will be open. Hopefully. So there you go. <laughs> Hopefully. It's been like the running question. I think every customer that's come in in the last week has been like, oh, when are you opening? But yeah, we try to put as little pressure on the actual opening date as we possibly can. But yeah, it's difficult not to get excited, excited and yeah. put the pressure on yourself for sure. Um, and it'll be a nice kind of natural progression from here. Um, I think we outgrew this space relatively quickly. Um, are, you, are, you, are you staying here? Yeah, we'll stay here because this is it's established now and, and people enjoy it. And like we're, like we're talking about, it's, it's a nice little escape. It's a bit of an oasis in the middle of Leeds chaos. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think especially at the weekends, people, people comment on that and people enjoy that. And a little bit of calm. Um, but yeah, it kind of sounds a bit counterintuitive, but we never want, we've never wanted like a like a busy bar yeah like super busy like crazy busy doing obviously it'd be nice to do thousands of pounds but <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah like our focus a lot of people said to us oh would you not want somewhere bigger or is doing table service going to affect your potential cash flow and and how you could take more if it wasn't all table service but I think it's yeah more about the experience for sure yeah so Leeds has always felt pretty special to me. I really, uh, you know, just coming up today and yesterday and just going to some of the, like, the bar, like the first thing I did off the train was go to White Locks and it's great to see some of the new places opening up like North's new city tap. Why do you think Leeds has such a vibrant scene? What is it about the, the drinking culture or the beer culture here that's, that's made this scene feel so special? I think there's, there's, there's good heritage, obviously, um, beer heritage and a few of kind of the early British craft operators, I suppose, like people like Kirkstall, been around for a few years making yeah. beer. 
Uh, it's always been in the city centre. Uh, Ilkley, obviously a very early operator as well. Um, so I think that that's had an effect and it's all kind of built from there. I think, I think Northern Monk were a real kind of, it was a real turning of a corner for, for Leeds, like the way that they kind of set their stall out and it's kind of been great quality from the get-go. Mm. I think that really put Leeds on the map I was, in terms of a brewing city. Cause yeah. I think for me, it was always, being from Manchester, Leeds is like the city of venues and Manchester was the city of breweries, you know, marble and yeah. water track, whatever. Um, but I think that's changed a little bit recently. Like, there's, yeah. there's, there's more of a balance and there's great breweries and with those great breweries come more great venues. Such a compact city as well. I think that really helps. Yeah, like the, um, the city centre, you, you know, you just have to... It's one minute from venue to venue to yeah, venue. Yeah, it's bonkers. You yeah. can go from top end where the North Brewery is to the bottom end where Northern Monk is, and it's a maybe a half an hour walk, and you can have ten pints in between and ten different venues. It's, yeah, it's bonkers. And something for me about Leeds is it's always been a, a city of like kind of trailblazers, not just not just for, for Leeds or Yorkshire, but for the UK. Because if you look at North Bar, yeah, you know that's you know probably the first self-identifying craft beer bar in the UK yeah, and then Bundabust is like like what they've done is for the sort of restaurant scene in a beer context is, yeah, is quite, Ham, still unique Friends of Ham yeah. trailblazing when they opened you know White Locks is 300 years old you don't get much more trailblazing <laughs> no. than that they've been blazing the trail for a while so yeah um, so yeah I think everywhere that opens there's, there's a real individuality in Leeds in a mm. lot of things it's the same with restaurants it's the same with bars with pubs um you know, fashion, independent retail. There's a lot of great artists, tattooists, you know, hairdressers. Like, there's a real scope of talent in Leeds, and and people aren't afraid of doing their own th- thing next to someone else who's doing it great. Yeah. Like, I think in a lot of cities, you kind of go, oh, well, they're already doing that, so I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Like, the fact that there's only one bottle shop in the centre of Manchester like blows my mind. Yeah. Me but too. I've spoken to a lot of people who will say. Bearmoth have been there for years, so we're not going to do it. I kind of understand the logic, but at the same time, like, I think of all the operators I know in Leeds, we know, you know, the guys at North, Marco Mayer at Bundo, um, you know, people like Ash from Hedro House and Belgrave, like, they're not afraid of doing what they want to do. Mm. You know, it might step on toes, but everyone's, everyone's really friendly and they understand that they're all young independent business people trying to get something done yeah. and I think that is, has a big part to play in not only the, the number of quality venues but the kind of diversity of those venues as well. Yeah. and do you still think there's, do you still see talk about how there's a lot of young innovative creative people starting these businesses yeah. uh, which, is, which is great you know, and you see that in, 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 in Manchester and London and places like that but um, what do you think is going to happen when, when our generation gets a little bit older? Do you expect there'll be more young people coming and doing the same thing? How's, how, how, how are things going to change over the next few years, do you think? It's crazy because like, still, I'm still like 21 in my head. Yeah, but as, this hangover, we all are. as this hangover shows, I'm definitely not 21 anymore. <laughs> yeah, tell me about um, So, yeah, I kind of still think of ourselves as the younger generation, which is not true at all um, but I, I definitely think there'll just be a continuation of, uh, of innovative 
kind of you know fearless, um, innov- yeah, yeah, innovators, um, you know, business people. Because I think you have to be now. You know, it's no secret that everything's going tits up. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think people are going to have to you know find ways of of, of doing things that they want to do. Like you know, 30, 40 years ago, you finished school, you got a job, you worked that job for forty years, you retired, and that was that. But now people. You know, kind of everyone's kind of having to fend for themselves a little bit. Yeah. Um, Leeds is a great example of people yeah, doing that and, successfully. And being being independent and being kind of self sufficient was was a big driver for me uh, when we opened the business uh, and for Bryony as well. Um, I'd worked in restaurants for a long time, and then for a real mix of good and bad employers um, in in the beer industry as well. Um, and I kind of got to a point where you know, wages are so low and hours are so high and it's so unsociable that you know, I was kind of like, right, if I, if I want to do this properly and I want to do it my way, I'm going to have to do it myself. Um, because, yeah, I think the, the kind of restless types amongst us are never quite satisfied with the way that anyone else does it. So, yeah, I know that's the, the answer really for yeah. me. Um, not that people, other people do it badly, but. Yeah, I've always got the answer apparently, but it's not always the right one. (laughs) Since Northern Monk was established by Russell Bissett in 2013, it's grown to become one of the most vital breweries within the UK. It was established, as the story goes, with a budget of just £5,000. Thanks to the drive and intuition of Russell and his head brewer Brian Dixon, it has thrived. When in Leeds, visiting the old flax store, home of Northern Monk's original brewery, along with its taproom, the refectory, is a must. While they may have moved the majority of production to a much larger facility nearby, the old flax store is what hosts that energetic, jovial Leeds vibe. It's the perfect place to start or finish your very own Leeds pub crawl. I've enjoyed watching Northern Monk flourish over these past few years. And during my visit, I caught up with Russell to see where he thinks his brewery fits into the rich tapestry that is the Leeds beer scene. I've been based in and around Bradford since about the age of six. Um, And when we started the business, I moved back home from Bristol at the time uh, to my mum's house, which is in Bradford. So Mm -hmm. our operations were based in Bradford. Yeah. 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 And are you from Bradford originally? So I was born in Manchester. I was there till I was six and Mm -hmm. then Bradford after that. Okay. Okay, do you identify as a Yorkshireman though? Um, yeah, I would say that I do, I, but I, I guess this is reflected in the brand. I would probably identify as a northerner, really. Yeah. Um, and it's this kind of region that yeah, I identify with the most, with the most proud of. So why settle on Leeds as the home for Northern Monk? So I think there's a lot of reasons. I think first and foremost, though, it was the location. So we wanted to find somewhere that reflected the ideals of the brand and was accessible. Uh, we were really keen to have a taproom model. At the time, there wasn't that many breweries that were really nailing the kind of the taproom. There still isn't. No, no, no. Um, but there's some great examples out there now. I would say um, it's been great to get like Magic Rock joining us with the taproom and Cloudwater more recently. And yeah, there's some great examples out there. Um, but yeah, I looked for sites across the north actually, um, and we almost ended up in a place called Dean Clough in Halifax. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, how familiar are you with Halifax? I know, I'm aware of Halifax. Yeah, 
It's not I know where it is. is. Yeah, it just wasn't in school, basically. Um, so yeah, we ended up in Leeds, and I mean, we wouldn't change it for the world. We are completely blessed with the site that we've got. We are so lucky. I mean, um, you couldn't. I don't know. Could you imagine anything like that? The old flat store, Grade Two listed mill building. Um, Accessible in London now, it'd be really difficult, I think, to get that kind of property. I, I just don't, that's why brewers are in railway arches. That, that, that you know, anything that any bit of architecture that looks like that, it'd be a huge brand going in there. You yeah. know, it would be, it would be, you know, a big fashion brand. I think yeah. actually in Hackney, if you go along uh, near the main road, there is a bunch of really well renovated arches, and it's it's basically outlets for like high fashion. Uh, that that have priced breweries out, and I worry that actually might happen. Mm. But how how different do you think Northern Monk would have looked if you if you hadn't settled in Leeds and you had built in Halifax? Would you, you? I mean, you've grown. Like, how long have you been going? What six years? Yeah, Five I had years? to look at LinkedIn the other day. Well, I didn't have to. Do. <laughs> I was on LinkedIn and I was um, yeah realised that I've been doing this for just under six years. Yeah, which is wild because it's the longest job I've ever had now. Um, but yeah, just under six years, something like that. Yeah. Um, but I don't, honestly, I don't think it would have looked massively different if we'd have been elsewhere. I don't know, we did get lucky with finding the site so early on, you know, if we'd have been looking for a site that reflected the ideals of the brand, this kind of industrial heritage, and we've been doing that for a couple of years, we might have ended up in an industrial unit somewhere, um, and that could have impacted. Um, but certainly I feel like the brand led and informed our decision about location, but they all came together really nicely, so we, yeah, it all worked. Yeah, so finding the flax store, that was the, the real key to the, the start of the, the journey so. you're on now. Yeah, I think that's... So we talked a lot about the brand as we've grown, and obviously we've been through this little rebrand refresh, and I guess I feel like the brand's quite rich in content and almost too rich at times for the amount that we want to convey, like with... We, we had this whole thing about the evolution of tradition and um, all that stuff around monastic brewing and, and what that meant for communities historically and then there's all the stuff around community in the north and there's so much going on I feel like it's quite hard to distill into a beer and a can and that kind of experience it's quite it can be quite 2D mm. obviously we try to build on that as much as possible with the patrons projects and the peel and reveal cans and make it really immersive but the one place where it is completely immersive is the tap rooms and um, and that's worked a great effect, I think, because we've really like championed the patrons and our kind of community focus through the events we've held at the tap rooms and uh, even like the rotating kitchen in Leeds, and um, it all just ties back into the ethos of the business. So when you go into those kind of Northern Monk experiences, you like it's a much more instantaneous. Right, shit, I kind of get what this is all about. Mm. And we got really lucky in Manchester in finding a really similar kind of building with a similar kind of history and legacy. Um, so yeah. that all just clicked again, yeah. It, it was Cosmonaut Nightclub, wasn't it? Yes. That was, that was a was. cool bar in itself. It was really cool, yeah. Did we you get to keep the late licence? We did, yeah. I think, so we can that's, do that's three. That's fortuitous, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> it was good after uh, IMBC. Yeah. Um, when we did the UK Garage night, yeah, that was a lot of fun. You did a UK Garage? Not like yeah, Garage not Brewing, sure. like, yeah, like no, Garage no, Music? Did. No, we did. We had Garage, and uh, we had Garage over from Barcelona, and we had a, gar- a UK Garage night. Um, <laughs> I'm so good. I missed that. That sounds awesome. I know. We should, at some point, we need to do a garage, garage Wellington, garage Barcelona, and UK garage just for the ultimate like trifecta. It'd be pretty meta. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah. One thing I remember talking about about three years ago. Yeah. Um, you're talking about how because of your position, you, I mean, you're not very far out of Leeds city centre. Yeah, yeah. 
But Leeds City Centre is replete with a lot of excellent bars. Yes. Even more now. Yeah. And there's there's bars on the way here. Like yeah. Salt have got their yeah, craft yeah, asylum yeah. and things like that. Um, but do, has that changed? Do you find that you are more of a draw for people now? Yeah, I think so. I think people were increasingly a beer destination. I think we've seen the mix of people that come to the bar skew more towards the people that have sought us out. Um, you know, we've always had an understanding that we are in, in an incredible beer city and a lot of the, that's testament to the likes of North Bar, which were kind of the real instigators of progressive beer in this country. Mm. Um, but in a way, we've always just... We're in our own little bubble, you know, with the, like, the last bastion of um, accessible kind of commercial bar um, in the city. So we ain't going to get any passing footfall, I think, as the city's grown and there's been more um, beer-focused venues. I don't think that's really impacted on us because we are in a, we're in our own little bubble, to be honest, mm. which is kind of nice in itself as well. Everywhere is. Yeah. 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 Has, has, um, has Leeds changed much in the five years you've been open? How, how has it changed? How has it changed? I don't, do you know what? I wouldn't say... I would say because it was always been quite progressive and always been fairly ahead of the time, you know, it's still Bundo that we go to. It's still Bundo that we get hyped about. They opened at the same kind of time as us. Yeah, and North Bar is still spoken of as, like, the instigator yeah, sure. of the modern British yeah. craft beer bar. Yeah, yeah, And it's still the place that you end up at at the end of the night, albeit drinking probably things that aren't beer and... <laughs> Uh, that's tequila and picklebacks, but still, yeah, yeah it's, it plays a really important role, and it's informed um, the way that that North Brewing Co have rolled out their vision for their brand as well. So it's a real kind of influential part of the the scene still. Mm. Um, so no, I think comparatively, I would say the the more notable thing would be like the beer scenes in the little towns. So um, Harrogate, Harrogate, yeah, yeah. totally. Like, uh, or so I live in live in Bradford still. My local bottle shop is Shipley Triangle, um, and I'm very aware of uh, our reliance on, let's call it, the craft beer economy. And you know, mm -hmm. I want to be an active contributor, and I'm obviously hugely, hugely passionate about what we do and about beer as a whole. So I go and make sure I spend a bit in there every week, and mm -hmm. uh, it's been really great to see those kind of places pop up, um, as well as like Cap and Collar. But historically, you know, it was a bit of a beer wasteland, mm -hmm. apart from. Apart from getting a great pint of uh, landlord. Yeah, I mean, there's the Sparrow as well in Bradford. Yeah, yeah, there. totally. Yeah. But that's the city centre bar, so this is like outlying little kind of suburbs of Bradford. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, the Sparrow is again uh, one of the real instigators of the beer scene in the north of England. Yeah, and they, that was what happened before Bundabust, isn't it? Correct, that's, yeah, yeah. It was the marriage of Bundabust and Prashad. Yeah. So I've seen, finally seen your expansion today. I mean, I remember visiting, like, I've visited several times, and that, so it's interesting to, to see how you've grown, but the jump you've made since my last visit is it's, it's huge, right? It's kind of cool, yeah, because I guess last time you did visit, we talked about it. So we are currently in what we term the war room here, which is our boardroom, which actually looks a bit more... It, it bit, feels very corporate. There's like nice leather seats, yeah. a big mahogany table. It's quite madman, isn't it? But <laughs> I got so I got this. I'm, one of the certain things I'm quite proud of at Northern Monk, and three of them are... One of them is this boardroom table. It was 145 quid off Gumtree. It's, I mean, right. it's a very nice table. It's nice, isn't it? Yeah. It would give one the impression of uh, a professional environment. Yes. Uh, downstairs, we've got two couches, leather couches they got for 20 quid each. Um, so they're just some of the things. But no... 
uh, joking aside, this room is now like our kind of boardroom here. Um, it's called the War Room. It's a hark back to our second ever site, which was this really cutty kind of used to be builders merchants that was about 2,000 square foot and it had a totally breeze block room with a window on one side, no heating in it whatsoever. And mm. it was, yeah, it was pretty grim, but that used to be our main meeting room and called the war room because it felt like it was like a bunker or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot has changed and it's quite nice being on that journey and seeing it through your eyes, I guess, because yeah. I guess in reality it has been quite a short amount of time since that leap. It, it's, it's weird, I've been thinking a lot about uh, the last five, to, well, ten years really, and, and how actually some of the stuff that happened, uh, that we were talked about the unhuman cannonball launch over yeah, lunch yeah. Uh, from Magic Rock, and, and how actually now that, that doesn't feel like a recent memory, it feels like something that is in the past, and mm. you know, that's maybe, was that the instigator of hype beer in the UK? It was certainly an attempt at it, mm. uh, and now look where we are, where it's yeah. what, what, what that's driving. Yeah. Uh, so, so it cut, like I remember drinking like New World and Stranic at yeah. uh, the first beers, and that feels like that's part of that sort of pre where yeah. we are now era. And now yeah. we're it, this this all feels. Yeah. But there's but there is a I feel like there's a link between this and, and your. I mean, you're still brewing at your flax store site and yeah. your old kit. Yeah, we do. So we do a couple of taproom lagers. So um, the first one is named after uh, my first dog, Archie, mm-hmm. uh, who sadly left us last year. I remember the Archie. second one, they've just brewed a black lager, and very sweetly they named it after Morag, who's, um, uh, who's my the latest dog. Yeah. That sounds really like flippant, doesn't it? Just my latest dog, like my latest squeeze. But um, no, my second dog. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and then we've got a whole uh, series of just taproom exclusives which we're going to name after pets of the business I think that's awesome <laughs> just because <laughs> why not yeah. so talking about um, North uh, I mean you, we've seen your expansion but you're not the only Leeds brewery that's expanding yeah. or emerging and North are a really good example because they are definitely in the same sector as you it's a very modern brand focused craft brewery yeah um, do you feel that, that the competition has heated up How how does it feel it feels pretty. It feels great. I don't. I don't see it as. I think. Hmm. So the market is maturing. There is more and more competition, and increasingly, yeah. I think there will be fraying at the edges. But overall, I would say that it still feels great. It still feels like a great industry to be a part of. Um, we're good friends with John and Christian. Um, we were invited to do the Northern Powerhouse this year, and we'll be inviting them down to brew with us. Is that with um, Wyland? Like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. We also brew uh, Hit the North once a year with the guys there, um, and you know I've got to take my hat off to them. I think um, they've they've knocked out some incredible beers over the past year as well. They're doing great stuff, um, and just decent guys as well. So, so now it feels like a good uh, scene to be a part of. Um, but there's more and more coming up. In fact, we joked when Beavertown were sold that just to throw a curveball at the whole situation, we should try and buy someone. So I was like, guys, um, I'm obviously a little bit older than the team now, which is also slightly depressing, but I was like, guys, who are like the real up-and-coming? So I get to drink everything. There's only so much one can drink. Mm-hmm. Who are the real up-and-coming guys in the city? Because um, we should try and buy someone. That would be funny, wouldn't it? Uh, obviously, we can't really buy someone. It wasn't a realistic plan. But uh, it was a proposal, and then they rattled off like six or seven breweries, and like there was a good three of them that I hadn't heard of. But there's some great people coming through the ranks. Uh, such as? Because I'm the same. I can't keep up with everything. Cause sure. It, it's a, yeah, absolutely. We're at the level where... 
that there is so much happening it's impossible so one of the, the big standout ones would be anthology mm-hmm. um and a rich side of uh, obviously a little bit more established but they've been knocking out some great stuff recently um but yeah i feel like anthology are the ones to watch i think there's uh, meanwood brewing co as well there's a couple of others mm-hmm. that um uh, just so are you, you're almost like a this early adopter, so almost. I don't want to say elder statesman because you're, you're still such a young brewery. Strange, but now yeah. you're in a position where you have a, you know, you have you have two breweries. Oh, you have your original yeah. brewery and, and you know your production brewery. Yeah. What what's your annual capacity of the, your production capacity? No. So we can get up to about twenty four thousand hectares. Yeah. So that's yeah. you know that's comparable to say five points yeah. in, in London. It's it's a decent amount of yeah. of beer. Yeah. Um, so how do you feel comp- like now that there are these brewers trying to do what you did five or six years ago do you, yeah. are you are you proud to see these these new fresh shoots coming through the earth 100% absolutely um, I think we, we spoke a little bit earlier on about uh, well we were just talking about how we thought they were killing it um, mm. Theo wasn't paying me to say that but um, <laughs> but no they are and um, we talked a bit about like depth of brand, and I feel like I think providing people have the right, the right um, motivations for what they're setting out to do, and they have that depth of brand. And uh, I think you have to deliver across all levels. But um, you know, if they're making great beer and it's got a bit of depth to it, and there's a reason why people are doing it, that isn't just to try and cash in. I think all all the power to people, and it only contributes to the scene, really, doesn't it? Mm, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, what's next? Like you've you've ex- you've expanded. This was meant to be your your twenty year plan. Yeah. And and it's full, and it looks like you're you're, you're nearing capacity here. So so, what what's what's in the future for Northern Monk? So, um, we talk about how we we've always set out to create some like some of the hopefully some of the best beer experience in the world, and that was probably a naive ambition when it was just uh, a couple of us with five grand operating out of a, a parent cellar um but i feel as we've grown we we have created some of those experiences um and for us it's about building on those i think we're, we're incredibly proud of the patrons projects as with many of the best ideas it just kind of happened to us we didn't really um it just came out of nowhere really you've, you've talked a lot about the patrons projects so it's probably worth explaining yeah uh, to people listening what what that is so um the kind of the motto of the patrons projects is community collaboration and creation but it's about working with um uh real northern heroes to create um to create kind of incredible content really through the medium of beer but celebrating uh key influences and um people doing great things across the north uh, whether that's street artists um skateboarders tattoo artists um anyone really um so so. Yeah, you've done some really interesting stuff. So Drew Millwood is one that's particularly striking uh, for me, um, the artist. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, the, you, you didn't just collaborate with a skateboarder, you collaborated with a skate magazine, Vague. Correct. How did yeah. that come about? That's really interesting. So we've worked with Reese for quite a while. He's done quite a bit of our photography. Um, and he was starting out Vague, um, mm-hmm. Leeds-based, him and his business partner. And they just got in touch and we, we looked at how we could help them out. So we do a bit of distro for them. Um, it's just working out where there's win-win situations, really. Uh, so, yeah, we do we do the distro for them uh, across the north and uh, on some of our online orders as well. Yeah. And it's just worked really well. Cool. So you're just dropping skate mags into, into beer deliveries and that kind of Basically, thing. Basically, yeah. 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 Yeah, but they've just got a bit of a beer focus in there too. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah it's just worked really nicely but building on from that we've got like the patron society which we've had some hiccups along the way with it's grown really rapidly but um i'm really proud of that beer experience and yeah. the experiences we're creating in the tap room so it's about just building on those really um building on that, that patron society model um, and that's allowing people to subscribe and make sure they get the limited releases yeah so they get every patron's beer that we release there's going to be seven in each series and we've got like these scrapbooks to collect them um it's just building on on people's experience really there's an understanding here that you know it's quite a lot of money to invest in something you're going to consume over the course of yeah. an hour it kind of reminds like it's the gamification of of uh of stuff like when you get an app like strava which kind of turns yeah. an exercise into like a game yeah um, by giving you challenges so now it's like you 100%. get the stickers yeah yeah totally and it all harks back I think like there's a bit of uh, craft beer that is about a generation that grew up uh, collecting stickers for sticker albums and yeah. um, all that stuff there's a bit of nostalgia there as well you know Absolutely. and I think there's that's reflected in some of the ways um, people um, illustrate their, their art on the, the beer cans and things like that as well cool so just we just sidelined away from like the main question there's like what, yeah. what's next and not just not just what's next for you but how do you think what you do next will will impact leads so i think well so we also operate in a bit of the city that's called holbeck it's um, most notable as the first legal red light district in the country mm-hmm. um so I think what we will be doing first and foremost is trying to continue to champion that area. We did, we did like a, um, a calendar, uh, which is like a bit of an outreach program with a local charity. He worked with 600, 800 uh, service users a month. Um, Holbeck is yeah one of the 0.5 most um, deprived areas in the UK. So we did this uh, charity calendar where we gave them cameras and basic photography lessons and um, asked them to go and like reimagine um, Holbeck well not necessarily reimagine but it's got such a bad rep mm-hmm. go, and, go and like uh, tell the story of Holbeck through these people's eyes and then we made this calendar and we gave all the money back to the local community so things like that I think are really powerful mm-hmm. uh, in terms of our impacts on the actual beer scene I think it can only it can only help to to keep on um, um, bringing it up and helping it to flourish I guess While the brewing limelight in Leeds is often possessed by headliners such as North or Northern Monk, there is, in fact, far more depth to its scene than these names alone. Take Kirkstall Brewing as one example. Established in 2011, a pint of its Three Swords Pale is a must when in town. Then there are the newcomers, like Nomadic Beer. Katie Marriott established her brewery in 2017, brewing on a four-barrel system at a local brew pub. Two years later, she was able to transition the brewery to its very own space, right across the road from North Brewing, expanding capacity in the process. Katie describes the beers she makes as modern traditional, and this is true in the way Nomadic produces styles such as bitter and pale ale that appeal to both younger and more well-conditioned palates. Being one of the smallest breweries in Leeds, she's also a fierce proponent of independence, which we talk about a lot during this interview. We're also joined in this conversation by her partner and self-proclaimed beer evangelist, Mike Hampshire. Why have you opened a brewery in Leeds? I'm very interested in that. There's, there's, there's a lot of breweries at bars here already, so why, why, I mean, is this, this where you're from? Why is it important to have your business here? 
Um, it's not where I'm from, but I was a student here and I never left. Mm -hmm. So it is my home. I've been here now for 18 years. Uh, and Leeds has such an awesome beer scene in it. So everybody helps everyone. There's so many independent bars as well, which means we don't have to rely on bigger distributions and those who shall not be named. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just my home. So I was really pleased that we could start something like this and it will thrive. So where... Where does Nomadic fit into a Leeds beer scene? Because Leeds is interesting in that it is, it, it, everything is packed into this small space. So, so uh, where do you think, I mean, how old is the brewery now? We're two. You're two. So where are you going to, like, you know, you've got um, everything from Northern Monk to Kirkstall to, to North. Nor, I mean, North are literally 100 metres that way, aren't they? Through, yeah. So where, where does Nomadic fit into what's uh, happening in Leeds right now? We fit in with... Our beer styles are more what I'd call modern traditional, mm -hmm. so we don't tend to go with the fads. We've not done milkshake IPAs, we've not done ice cream IPAs, we've not done brutes. We probably won't be doing any saisons or anything like that, so we're more sticking with our bitters, strong ales, stouts, pails. So we're the people that will keep the proper British beer going yeah. in Leeds. Tell me about some of the beers you're making at the moment. Uh, our most popular one is Bandits. That's an mm -hmm. American pale. Um, it's just a good hoppy beer. And then personal favourite is Strider, which is our bitter. So, uh, British hops. So, when, when you go in Leeds, where do you drink? What are the bars you like to go to? White, uh, White Locks, Tarks Head. Yeah, White Locks is great, isn't it? Yeah, they're good for beers further afield than uh, Wappentake and Slocum because they send, tend to stick with the Yorkshire Wap beers. Wappentake's interesting. It's, it means yes. something, doesn't it? In, um, it's a Yorkshire phrase. Yeah, it means a meeting place. So yeah. it used to be somewhere where the tribe heads would turn up and vote on things by, a, what is it, a show of a sword? Yeah, show yeah. of weapons. Yeah. 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 So what's your how do you feel about... The, the Leeds beer scene. What's the what's the importance of Leeds in the beer market? Why should why, why should people come to Leeds, and then why should they come and drink your beer? You should come to Leeds because there is such a variety, and because you have got that many breweries that have tap rooms as well, that so you can drink from the source, and that we are pretty close to each other. You could do a brewery tour on a Saturday afternoon, um, and then they should come and try our beer because it's awesome. <laughs> well, I mean that's a, that's a good enough reason to to, to visit um, this is as, as anything. Um, so you've been brewing in a brew pub, whereabouts? It's, it's the Fox and Newt on Burley Road, and the yeah. brewery is in their basement, and that's the Burley Street Brew House. Yeah, yeah. So this is a brew kit that goes back to the 1970s. Whitbread first installed it. And but hang on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This, 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 seems, this seems quite significant. So you're brewing yeah. on, a, on a whip bread yeah. kit. Yeah, so when it was... What size? It's four barrels. Yeah. Uh, so when they installed it, it was just a malt extract brewery. Yeah. Uh, so it's all Grundy tanks so they could serve the beer straight upstairs. Yeah. And then I think it was, is it mid-80s, someone um, changed it so we could use it as a grain brewery. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, what yeah. modifications do you have to do? Like, malt extract is like, you know, you're brewing with syrup, yeah, so basically. basically all so you what, need what do you have to do to is use grain? Malt, malt extract, you just basically need a copper because you... Um, Spoil the beer. Yeah, pretty much. You um, dilute it with the water and mm -hmm. throw hops in it. Um, so one of the Grundy tanks was turned into a mash tun. Uh -huh. um, so, yeah, that's, that's about it. So there's three fermenters down there. 
and a hot liquor tank that's all made out of Grundy tanks. And um, how long have you been in this site? So we're in your, this is new, I, I, like yep. the, the kit is shiny. I mean, it's, it's like... Uh... And the fermenters aren't out of their wrappers yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we got when the, did they arrive? Uh, the Friday before Christmas. Okay. Yeah, they turned up at night. Out the <laughs> yeah, we should. We haven't taken these ones out of the wrappers just because we've had some work done on yeah. this side of the brew house. So I wanted to keep them scratch free. How long that will last, anyway? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know when you get a new something with a screen like a phone. You, I, I, I have an urge to peel. Yeah. Peel the plastic off. Yeah. But I understand that. So what's your what's your objective here? What what you know, you North Bruco are just over the road and I can see you've set this up as a bar, so you mm-hmm. clearly want to turn this into into a tap room. So but, but, but uh, how do you plan on making sure this place fits into the, the lead scene and, and it brings people in? We're doing something a bit different to North. Um, so North Brewing obviously they do a lot of West Coast IPAs, unique styles of beers, mm-hmm. but not on Hample. Yeah. Um, so you're going to, hopefully we're going to complement each other. Yeah. So you'll come over to Nomadic, got some four amazing Hample's on in the tap room. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be our beers, we'll, we'll have them different beers on as well, but it's all going to be traditional, modern traditional styles. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what do you see is happening in Leeds now? What's next for Leeds? Because Leeds has been this, this sort of cultural mm. uh, force uh, from from um, North Bar opening in '97 to, to to Northern Monk uh, as sort of one of the sort of early craft breweries, and, and Leeds wasn't really a brewery city. Manchester was the brewery city, mm-hmm. and, and Leeds was the, the bar city. But and we've seen that change. But what's going to happen next? Because most people have asked that question today. It's like we don't know. But do you think? I was going to say I don't know. I'd... What do you hope it's is going to happen? Yeah. Um, what I hope happens is that us little breweries begin continue to thrive and push the beer scene. Um, I think one of the things Leeds has in abundance is independence, independent bars. Mm-hmm. A lot of the breweries are completely independent; they're not mm-hmm. owned by any of the bigger bigger macro breweries. Quite and a lot I think of that also aren't registered with Seba, which means we have to sell into, into yeah, yeah. Uh, independent places. We can't hit the pub codes. Um, but you wouldn't make any money doing that, would you? No, that's why we've not joined. No, no. It's very interesting. Um, I was talking to to the guys from North about this, and I, I would join Seba because I I'd want to be in the know. I'd want to I want to see the emails and be the conversation. Truthfully, we can't afford the outlay at the beginning to join Seba. Yeah. So you're a new business and you can't afford to join the trade association that supports you. Yes. That's yeah. pretty significant, isn't it? Yeah, they need to take the I out of their name. I think. <laughs> yeah, what this is independence. I, I I think independence is very important, but I think it mustn't be used as a virtue because independence is not a mark of quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But why is independence so important to you? And um, why? And then why does that matter to Leeds? Independence is important to me because we can keep hold of what we're doing here, mm-hmm. um, and also the independent bars, their beer quality. I can't think of one that has poor beer quality because they obviously all need to keep their bars afloat so that mm-hmm. means they have to serve a good pint um, what was the next question <laughs> <laughs> it's it's more why independence is important and but then how does that impact Leeds why is independence so important in, in Leeds as a city I, think I mean it's Yorkshire isn't it it's, yeah. it's a defiant county that's how it I feels I've been here two days and I feel like I like 
ready for the fight. I don't know. <laughs> I feel, I feel, I feel energised. Yeah. Maybe it's because I'm just out of London for a little while. Probably, yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's just, it helps mould the brew scene as well. So because we are yeah. independent and there are that many independent breweries and bars, we don't have to stick to, I want to say a regime, but I'm not sure if that's the right word. Mm-hmm. So we're smaller so we can play about with recipes. We don't have to stick to the same four recipes changing yeah. whether you're putting it in bottles or cans and that's a big thing it's yeah i think the thing you've got to remember about leeds is that up until 2011 the market was just completely dominated by tetley's there was no other breweries within leeds market and what that was only seven seven eight years yeah. ago so it's so it's completely yeah. changed and you know the freedom that brewers have been allowed is is just brilliant from that mm-hmm. yeah there really aren't many people more influential in british beer circles than john gingell and christian townsley but they probably wouldn't admit to that, such is their modesty. When they founded the now legendary North Bar in 1997, little did they probably know that they were laying the blueprint for much of the modern craft beer scene in the UK. It's a story that demonstrates why Leeds is such a vital place amid the UK's beer landscape. Why then, in 2016, did they decide to open a brewery? Well, As it turns out, it was something the pair had been discussing since around 2004. However, things got in the way, like having families and opening more pubs. When they did decide to open a brewery, however, they timed it just right, adding an injection of experience and modern pizzazz to the Leeds beer scene in the process. It makes sense then to finish this episode with a long conversation with Christian about the history and future of his business. What's perhaps the most remarkable thing about this particular conversation is that his enthusiasm for beer and its culture, especially within Leeds, doesn't seem to have been dampened one bit. So North Bar, you founded that 22 years ago. 22, yeah. 97. What was, it, what was the feeling? If you, it's a long time ago, but two young friends... In the early 20s, what, how did it feel to open a, a bar in Leeds? That's a great question. In 1994. No, no one asks how it felt. People say, why did you do it? And, you know, no one asks how it felt. Uh, it was dead exciting. We were dead young, naive, and uh, optimistic, mm-hmm. and it was exciting. And then, probably three, four weeks in, mm-hmm. it, were, it became quite terrifying because there weren't any customers. <laughs> so you were a bit scared. And we were, was, it, was it objectively a beer bar or was it just a bar? Just a bar. Just a bar with a, you know, slightly... Everything in Leeds at the time, everything in Leeds was, uh, in 1997, was an Irish bar. Mm-hmm. Or a shit pub. There mm-hmm. wasn't anything that was left of centre or had any sort of continental or, or feel to it. Mm-hmm. And then about six months before we opened, Mojo opened. There was Arts Cafe that I think Ed Mason had a, I think he owned that for a bit, Okay, maybe. Uh, but not at the time, Ed Mason, uh, uh, Arts was opened by a father and son team. That was a really interesting cafe bar. Yeah. And there was nothing else really like that. Um, so it was scary. We, you know, we had a few weeks in and um, people would come through the door and not know what it was. Mm-hmm. John and I used to sit in the window drinking beer to make it look like there were customers in. And then what beers did you have on 1994? Cronenberg, Foster's, Guinness, and Beamish Red. Were any of the, were you, were you just whatever beers 
there was, was there any conscious thought behind the beer at that time? Um, when we opened, yeah. no, we, um, we there was a loan with John Smith's Brewery in Tadcaster, mm-hmm. and we had barrage to meet with that. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so the beer the beer range was crap when we opened, and then a few months in, we got into American uh, into into Belgian beer. And yeah, Chimay and things like yeah, that. Orval. How did that happen? Was it well? Uh, what did you come across that made you go, we want to sell this beer in our bar? We were looking to do an event where we picked beers from loads of different countries mm-hmm. and in sourcing those beers found found Belgian beers were what got us excited and then German beers and then a few years down the line American beer and then eventually British beer. Yeah, so full circle but the British beer you were selling was Magic Rock? Uh, it was before Magic Rock, I mean, we, we've had a brilliant relationship with those guys mm-hmm. from their, from the, the minute they opened their doors, really. Um, but it was before that, it was Roosters and Callum Island and Abbeydale and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Roosters quite excited me because I felt like, by that point, I'd got really into American beer. And how I always used to describe it, I always felt that American breweries took what British breweries were doing, but turned the volume up to mm-hmm. 11. Yeah, like Spinal Tap, and then yeah. uh, and then I felt what Sean did was take what American breweries were doing and then turn the volume back down. Yeah. So he made it. He uh, subtleized it. There you go. There's a new word. He, he, uh, <laughs> he made the beer more subtle. Um, and and yeah, and, and that, that it was um, Steve Holt of Vertical Drinks and now Coastal yeah, yeah. Brewery who introduced me to to, um, to Roosters. And that was a pivotal moment in my interest in British beer. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Mm. When you put those Belgian beers and German beers in North Bar, how did people react? What, when people came, because you were, you were working front of house, weren't you? Yeah. So when, yeah. And so you, you literally had to do the hard sell, I imagine. Yeah. And what was the, like, what was the feeling? How did you feel? How, how, was they, how did they react? It was exciting. Yeah. It was dead exciting. Dead exciting. You've got you've got something new and exciting that people haven't had before. We also had. We were really lucky. I was I was talking to you earlier about how lucky we were. We had we had, uh, and I missed I missed a, a vital part of that mm-hmm. connection. So we had, um, and it's an unusual one that I don't normally talk about. We had James Clay yeah. in uh, Halifax or Ireland, and then we had um, Vertical Drinks in Leeds, both offering very good imported beers from the US or Belgium or Germany. What we also had were right beside the theatre. And this was at a time when drinking culture was a bit different. So the, the, the crew from the theatre who set up the stage and, and uh, the, the stagehands there, they would come and drink in between building sets or holding people up mm-hmm. 30 foot in the air on a piece of rope they would come and drink in the bar and they would drink pretty heavily. And what was great about that was because they would, some, some of those guys would go on tour mm-hmm. with Opera North. So they would, they would, they'd seen Duval, they'd seen Chimay, they'd seen the, uh, they'd seen Schneiderweiss, they'd seen the beers that we were bringing in. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so there was already, so you had some people you, who were easy to sell to, mm-hmm. We were, we were hanging out with, you know, all of our friends had, were in record shops and creative industries. We had a lot of friends who were in bands and artists and whatnot. So people who were 
Easily, you know, who are, people who are who are uh, intrigued, people who are who are who who want to learn and want to find stuff out. Mm. So these kind of you know people like that, um, inquisitive people, will oh try this, it's great, it smells like bananas. Oh, you know, try this, it's like it's like uh, Turkish delight. Yeah, and, and people will will, will be. Uh, receptive to that if they're of a mindset, of an open-minded mindset, mm-hmm. and it was always open-minded, liberally-minded people that we wanted to appeal to, that was that was really what North Bar was opened for people like us, so in that sense, it was kind of easy, in another sense, you know, the beers were not cheap um, although when we started out doing this, we were pretty naive in our pricing, but they weren't cheap, so you, you have a bit of a sell, mm. but it was, I don't know, we were just dead excited and passionate. And I think when you do, when you are like that, it's quite infectious. If, if, I'm, if I'm trying to sell you some, uh, some magical cheese that turns into a puddle in the space of 10 minutes and smells like... Salt. Smells like sheep. <laughs> yeah, no, it smells like yeah. sheep's feet. Yeah. And, and stick your bread in that and, and you're going to get a, your head's going to spin. Mm-hmm. So, I love it, and, and that's easy for you to buy into. Yeah. So when we were so passionate, it was very easy for people to buy into that. Yeah, yeah. So how does it feel now, 2019, 22 years later, to see people like Richard and Bryony Brownhill just get the lease on their first it's Amazing. Bar. I'm so chuffed for those guys. That is great. Where do you that think they're going to take it? I've no idea. Brought, you brought it here. I've no idea. I'm, uh, I'm doing, I think what Rich has done at... Um, a little Leeds beer house um, is is really pioneering in mm. I think what, in what way uh, in 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 creating a space that is a, a retail outlet, mm-hmm. but where people it, it feels communal. It feels people can share stuff. People can learn and and uh, and talk and talk about beer. People gather there. I think. People gather there for one reason, one a mutual love of beer. Mm-hmm. People come to North Bar because it's a bar. Yeah. And the beer that to, to us, while we may have a reputation and have forged a, a, a niche for ourselves, the beer was always secondary. Yeah, bar, I mean, was, you're a bar that does tequila Tuesday. Yeah. Which is was, awesome. Yeah. But that, that's was, part of what you do. Yeah, it was, a, it was about creating a space where like-minded people could be together but the like-minded bit was, do you like people? Are you a nice person? Are you a decent human being? Mm. Well, then let's get together. What uh, Rich and Brian have created is somewhere that, that, that it is a mutual love of beer that brings those people together. And, uh, and it's exciting, it's really exciting to see what they, what they do with, um, with uh, the, the bar. Mm. I think what you know, we were talking earlier about uh, Zach, what Zach did was, he was way ahead of the game. Yeah. In his writing and uh, reporting about beer, the way yeah. his his, uh, uh, his his videos that he did on tastings, and you you, you don't join the dots of all these people who are in this in this area, people who have a passion and a different way of demonstrating that, um, and of and of vocalising that and bringing that to other people, and that. that all the, the the people in and around Leeds that have that have contributed to that, I think, have, have made it what it is. Mm. Um, yeah. So, how did you go from 
being in your early 20s, opening a bar, to now running a, a brewery doing 8,000 hectolitres in the last you know, last calendar 12 months. And now you, we're drinking this, you own a brewery that's done this eight, an 8% double IPA, which for me stands alongside, in UK terms, Cloudwater, Verdant, in US terms, your, your other halves. So this is a great beer, objectively. It's very kind of you. How did you get to this point? Why did you go from, you're in hospitality, you're selling beer, and then what point did you go, well, let's make it? So, John and why, I- Why did you do it? Well, we, 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 we talked about it such a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, How did you and John meet, but, sorry, sorry, segue, I'm very interested, because- uh, We both worked at the Town and Country Club. Yeah. So we both started there as glass collectors, and um, I ended up on the bar, and then, he said one day, I'm going to open a bar. Mm-hmm. Do you want to be involved? That was that, really. That was, that was, that was how we met. Um, so we were mates at the Town and Country Club. Um, uh, how do we end up here? We, we wanted to open a brewery years and years and years ago. And sometimes you sit there and think, oh, balls, should we have done it sooner? But, if we'd done it sooner, we wouldn't have had Seb, mm-hmm. our head brewer. Mm-hmm. He's, he's an absolute joy to work with. And I genuinely think he's a really, I think he's a really great brewer. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not waxing lyrical about our beers. I, I leave that for other people. I'm really, really flattered of what you, what you just said about, about uh, the Ursa Major we're drinking now. Really flattered. That is, humbling here but this has become an expect i mean you've you, the last 12 months you've really I, I remember three years ago at leeds international beer festival you had a stand for the first time and john i met john and he said matt can you come and taste our beers and tell me what you think oh sweet and it and john you know said to me he said they're not there yet but tell me what you think and i yeah. said they're not there yet it's like i know yeah. and i tried sputnik and hers in transmission and now you know, you're winning a walk like the Mitchells and Butlers listing in their castle pubs for transmission, and you you got you put a, a New England IPA on tap in a mainstream pub. Yeah, and that was judged blind. You know, that, I was chuffed a bit for that. That, yeah. was, that was a big deal it, for you. Uh, it's objectively a, a fantastic beer, that was a big but, deal. but it's also consistent. It's, but you now have an expectation that you're going to produce a quality beer. We 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 wanted to do a brewery in 2004. Mm. And we got distracted, we opened a pub. And then we thought about it again and we opened a bar. And we kept doing that. And then we looked and then we started to think seriously about it about five, six, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And we looked at a couple of opportunities, acquisition opportunities, and they weren't right for us for whatever reason. And then a few years ago, we went, right, are we going to do this or not? Mm-hmm. Are we going to carry on not having a brewery? And I think, I think a part of the um, decision-making process was North Bar had, be, had become known in the craft beer industry for, mm. for what, what it had done. And then all of a sudden the craft beer industry is like going like that. And, and North Bar wasn't being left behind, but it's like, hang on, we've, we've been a big part of this. We've talked about having a brewery. If we bring those two 
things together, the fact that North Bar has been a part of it. Mm -hmm. And we've wanted to and wanted to have a brewery, wanted to make beer, um, th then in order to maintain our presence in the industry and, and, and relevance and enjoy this, because it's great fun. You meet amazing people. This is such a good fun industry to be in. In order to carry on enjoying this the way we have done, we really ought to take that next step. Mm -hmm. um, and we were dead lucky. Not uh, Seb, our head brewer, was a music teacher. He was teaching ukulele in schools around Leeds. Brilliant. <laughs> and he was cuckoo brewing. So we were buying beer off him. And we're like, oh, his beer's good. And someone has a word in someone's ear, and the next thing you know, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, Seb might be interested. He remembers it slightly differently, and he, he ought to tell that story. But that was, you know, that, that's how I see it. It was like, yeah, someone says, oh, you know, Seb can brew beer. And, mm -hmm. and we tasted it, we're like, yeah, shit, he can. That cardamom porter he's done is great. Um, and he's got a subtlety that I always thought was pretty good, uh, pretty, pretty well executed in uh, Sean Franklin at Roosters, his, yeah. his hand. Um, and that was that really, and then, then Seb, Seb came, we chatted, we sat down, we talked and said, do you want to be our brewer? Yeah, that was it. Mm -hmm. He quit his job and we opened the brewery. And, and, I, and I feel that the reason we've, I, f I feel like we've got where we are because we all share, uh, we all share that same dedication to quality mm -hmm. and whether that is in product or service and standards, we, we share that and it's, and it's relentless, you know, we, we were sat in uh, City Tap earlier. Yeah. New venue, two, three months old. And I'm spotting things that are wrong and having a quick word with Dan, the manager. He's a great guy, by the way. Um, but you pick things out and go, yeah. that, that, needs, that needs to be... You've been doing it for 22 better. years. You've got, you, yeah, yeah. you see things that other people will never see. And that's what Seb does with the beer. Mm -hmm. So Seb will, he'll, he'll taste all the beers every single day. He, is, he checks the uh, DO levels. Regularly, he's 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 uh, obsessive about cleanliness. Mm -hmm. um, you, you won't see anybody mucking about with any of our brewing equipment without gloves on. It's he's he's got a real he's he's very uh, uh, diligent on that sense mm -hmm. and the quality. He is very rarely happy with his beer. Mm -hmm. He will go, you know. I've seen him. I've seen Seb. <laughs> oh my God! I'm a bit embarrassed to say this. I've seen him at a beer tasting. Mm -hmm. taste his own beer and pull a face and go, like that's not good enough and you're thinking Seb don't don't pull that face people don't need to see that when you're <laughs> drinking your own beer <laughs> and it's not that it's shit it's that it's, it's honest that he doesn't feel that that is at the standard that he needs it to be yeah that is what leads him apart from his great creativity and and uh, recipe writing, but I think that's what leads him to be a good brewer. Is that he is insistent that that it needs to be better, it needs to be better, it needs to be better, and he's constantly looking to improve the quality of what he produces. Um, and he's just great fun to work with. He's <laughs> such he's mad as a box of frogs, and yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he's a, he's I. Uh, that he's an absolute joy to work with. Lovely. It's, uh, it makes coming into work really enjoyable. So, from 22 years in the industry, from front of house hospitality to own, you know, owning a bar, 
to now owning a, an award-winning brewery, modern brewery. What's that taught you about the industry? Um, I mean, that's um, a very that's a very broad question, but like, let's let's whittle that down. What what are your key takeaways? What have, what have you learned? What's been the most important thing you've taken away from your your time in the industry? Because um, you, and you're all still you know you're still on the journey, really, aren't you? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We all are. Yeah. We all are. This is this is this is we're all on a journey because this in twenty two years I've never seen anything like the last four or five. The last four or five years where everything's just gone. At such a rate, yeah. the, the pace. It's like a champagne cork. Oh my God, it yeah. is. It absolutely is. And and someone that like uh, say Magic Rock, who were right at the front, yeah, of that um, of this of this explosion. But then you uh, and they've, they, I mean, their evolution is admirable. They are a brew that I really respect. Mm, really likewise. respect, and they've. If uh, the, the way they've uh, managed their growth and uh, and and pushed to make sure that the quality is improving and constantly reassessed everything that they do is amazing. But the way this industry has evolved in the last three, four, five years, and I'm not just talking about cans. You know, I remember. I remember going to the uh, the the um, American uh, Brewers was it the American Brewers Association launch of cans in the UK, mm -hmm. which was led by uh, Andreas Andreas Fault. Yes, yes, yeah. Down at uh, Soho at um, ah the uh, the Irish place. Oh, Porterhouse. Uh, Porterhouse, yeah, yeah. And there were maybe six, seven beers mm -hmm. available. And now, you know, the, the, the plethora of, of canned beers in the UK is... Unreal. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not just talking about cans, but you, if you look at sort of the double IPA movement and how that just... I mean, Cloudwater were incredibly intelligent in that when they mm -hmm. saw that happening in the US and they, they pushed it here. Mm -hmm. And that was that was super cool. That was that was that was inspiration. Oh, but no access to the market for, for oh, Dayer and Vernon and all those guys. Yeah, yeah, it was it was. And I think the, the lesson I've learned about this, about um, not over the last twenty two years, but in the last three, is you have to you have to be quick. You have to be you have to react. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean have a reactive business. But you have to be flexible, mm -hmm. right? Okay. So when we opened the brewery, our idea was to do modern British beer, yeah, and a modern craft beer for the one, one of a better word, and some well-made British classics. So you know, been from the northeast, I was keen on having a brown ale. You know what? Three, four, five, three, four years ago, mm -hmm. that was I, I was right at the wrong time. We could have done it two years before that. We could probably do it now. But when when I when I was like, oh, it said we make a brown ale, completely the wrong time. Or oh. the, the market was in a different place. At some point in the next 12 months, people are going to be champing at the bit for a brown ale from you guys. Yeah. Honestly, I believe yeah, yeah. it. And, I, and I'm sure at some point in the next 12 months, we'll do it. But, at the, but when I wanted to do it, it was wrong. 
And I know my, my yeah. As much as I was getting excited earlier, saying the best beer I've tried this year is a Mybock. Yeah, by a British brewer. Yeah, yeah. So um, that, that that's that's happening. That's the lesson for me. I'm, I'm like, I look at it and go, right, okay. What have I learned? I've learned that be be aware of your surroundings because when we open the brewery, and, and also it's not always um, it's not always advantageous to be the first. No. You know, we spent many long, lonely, quiet nights in North Bar. It sometimes is, it's not about being the first, it's about being the best, or mm-hmm. about being very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I think with, you know, with our approach to traditional British styles, when we opened, it was the wrong time. And now there seems to be a few breweries that, are, that might pick up on that now. Mm-hmm. And you think, cool, okay, well, maybe now is about the right time, but it's a, the lesson is is to is to be aware of your surroundings and and flexible and not you know it's good to have a it's good to have a, a, a raison d'etre yeah it's good to have a, um, a, an approach to beer that, that that you're known for so but you can play just to, to to finish this off the one thing we haven't really talked about I mean this episode is about leads and tra- and. Leeds has changed a lot, and how, how do you see Leeds fitting in? Let's talk about Leeds and beer. How do you see Leeds fitting into beer today? And Leeds, is, from what I've learned from this last two days, is Leeds has been probably the major catalyst in taking beer in the UK where it is. What what's next? How is Leeds going to take all this thing it's done over the last twenty years? What's next? For this this city, this 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 Yorkshire city. I don't know. I'm, I'm, it's exciting. I think. Uh, and that's, I like that. I like that. There's an unknown. Yeah, I think, and 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 uh, a bit nervous to saying this, and I've got a few scoops, so I feel. <laughs> so, yes, we have. Um, I think Leeds needs to kick up the arse. Mm-hmm. I think Leeds has been at the forefront for a very long time. When you talk about it, when you look at it per capita, mm-hmm. I think Leeds is ahead, or has been ahead of everywhere else in the UK, in terms of the beer offering and bar scene and the people that have been here involved in it, I think that the, you look, we talk about individuals and you talk about Zach and you talk about Rich and Brownie and, um, yourself, and, and, yeah, and, Ross and, and, yeah. and Matt Gorecki, and, yeah. and, uh, young, and Jim. Uh, young Jim, young Jim, <laughs> Jim family. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and Carly was at North now, and uh, and and our ex ops manager Bean, and uh, yeah, and uh, Ross, Maz at Leeds Ross International and, Beer Festival, Maz, yeah, and and um, and uh, Bundabust and the guys down there. If you look, I at think the, just by the length of that <clears> list, that's just demonstrative of what Leeds has done. Yeah, yeah, people and, are still keeping up Leeds, but. I've, it's easy to rest on your laurels, and and I think that Leeds needs. I, you know what? I think that Rich and Brian open the bar. That'll be a that'll be a good thing for Leeds. Mm-hmm. That'll be a really good thing for Leeds. And people need to. Oh my God! I didn't even. You know, I haven't even mentioned uh, Friends of Home. Yeah. You know, and uh, that's trailblazing. And and Turk's Head. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, there 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 are some amazing places and people in Leeds. 
but I also think that it's very easy for you to just sort of like, yeah, 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 it's ticking over, it's ticking over, it's all going very well, and people need to go, whoa, hang on, what's next? What we're going to do? What we're going to? How we're going to lift this? And um, I think that uh, some of the breweries that are popping up, some of the events that are happening, um, but I also feel like people need to be aware, people in Leeds, that the, the scene, the people involved in the scene in Leeds, need to be aware that that we we need to keep pushing it. We need mm-hmm. to make it better, and not just go, all right, let's do another tap takeover. Oh, yeah. let's do another beer festival. Let's do another call up. Let's do another thing. It needs to be. It needs to push it a bit. Um, and it, so, who knows? It's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah, I think. Uh, I hope that we. I think that we can contribute to that. I hope that 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 the people that a lot of the people that we've talked about today, the people that are in this that are in Leeds and involved in the industry can uh, can connect and do things together. Because I think that's the that's the that's been the, one of the great things about Leeds, the collaborative nature, the people that work together, um, lift it and elevate it. Um, you look at Manchester, they've got a fantastic brewing scene. I feel like the bar scene and the, and the, the offering uh, that on, on the front of house side in Leeds is, is second to none really. Thanks for tuning in everyone. If you'd like to support the content we produce at Pellicle, please consider supporting us via Patreon. You can sign up by visiting patreon.com forward slash Mag. Please also consider leaving us a review in your podcast app of choice, as this will help more people find the show. Until next time, I've been your host, Matthew Curtis, and you've been listening to The Pellicle Podcast. Podcast.